Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Uh, Mom? This is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, your production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to another edition of Sminty Fiction, Terminus, Chapter 11.1. Because once again, I'm really bad at controlling my chapter length, <laughs> which I've also oh. discovered is a fanfiction tag. Oh, well, I like yes. the introduction with that voice. Like it was a specific like advertising, but yes, that was I'm nice. very I excited. It. I told you the, this chapter, which did get split into two. So this is part one of chapter 11. I am really, really excited to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a lot of issues, but we're going to discuss them. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a once a month thing we do. It is a bit more soundscaped. No, I mean, we don't generally soundscape. So it's more soundscape than what we normally do, which is nothing. But Christina is the one behind that. Makes it amazing. So to just send the love to Christina. Let us yes. know. We'll pass it along. She's been doing so much good work. Really has. <laughs> Putting up with all of our nonsense. Um, so, yes, this uh, is an ongoing thing. And it is based on a NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month that my first one that I did back in 2010. It's not really edited. I like to look back and see what was going on in my head in this month that I wrote this. But we're getting to some of the good, the climaxes coming. I'm very excited. Um, So content warning before we get into this. Just in general, child endangerment, not so much in this chapter, but it's just hanging over the whole thing. There is slut shaming. We'll talk about it. Uh, discussion of infertility, uh, wanting to have a kid and being unable to, uh, toxic jealousy, which I don't know if it's a term, but I'm putting it in here. Mentions of violence, inadequacy, uh, insults around the ability to be a mother, uh, internalized ableism, shame, and fear around pregnancy. This chapter will make you mad. I put parentheses. Um, <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> there that is. There it is. 
Uh, all right. So here's my recap. Humanity is dying out due to a sex-based disease. There's a new government that has taken control as the population collapses in on itself. And they are ruling, reigning alongside a religious group named ARM. Um, and they control everything that has to do with conception. Uh, and if a child is born, they control everything about that as well. Our main character, Tilda, escaped with her, her infant son, Madison. They have now been on the run for seven years. Um, they are being followed by the enforcers who work for the government. Uh, and they have had run-ins with them. Tilda was injured. She was shot. There was a car chase. Um, Tilda met a kind woman named Lynn who helped Tilda recover and told her about a resistance and a possible uh, cure for, for this disease that might be in Kansas City. After a violent conflict with the enforcers that resulted in a couple of fatalities, Tilda and Madison are saved by members of the resistance and are taken to their secret headquarters. That is where we left off. So let us get right into it. We all can't help but wonder what awaits us around the next corner. What new roads are left to be discovered? What adventures lie just over the next ridge? Push beyond your current limits and find out. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. Where the road leads you and even where the off-road takes you. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Whether the adventure is about the destination, the journey itself, or both, your SUV will match your tenacity mile after mile. And no matter how far you wander, you'll remain tethered to home without even the need to connect your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Every one of Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to take you where you want to go. The world is waiting to be discovered. What are you waiting for? Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. How are you feeling? Tilda blinked to awareness, fragmented memories washing up on the shores of her consciousness. Zuleika perched on the bed across from her. You've slept for almost an entire day. I thought I'd better wake you up and see how you were doing. Pushing herself into a sitting position, she eyed the woman opposite her critically, unsure. Zuleika held out a cup of water for her, and she took it, sipping carefully. Madison pulled himself up next to her, 
rubbing his eyes until Tilda passed the cup to him. He took it wordlessly. Zulaika smiled at him. His hair stood up on one side. I thought you might like some food and then we could go on a tour. Sound good? Tilda nodded and Zulaika stood happily. Stay there. I'll bring you a tray. I figured you might want to eat in here. You probably aren't up to all the questions you'll get from this lot. The woman left. Tilda stretched, banishing the last vestiges of sleep. Madison passed the water back to Tilda, pressing into her side, watching the doorway fretfully. Neither of them spoke. Tilda didn't know what to say, consumed with nervous anticipation, red splattering on white replaying relentlessly in the back of her mind. Zulaika returned, bouncing a large plastic tray. Could you pull that table over for me? Tilda tugged at the metal rolling table over. She imagined it was designed for people too ill to get out of bed. Zulaika slid the tray onto the table. There were modest foods, but Tilda was happy to see them. Sliced apples, oatmeal, carrots, celery, and a small cup of milk. You have milk? Tilda asked dazedly. Yes, Zulaika responded, dragging a chair over. We have a few domesticated animals and a small garden. Our responsibilities are divided to keep the place running, and we have a group in charge of scavenging food, growing food, making sure there's enough, and so on. We don't have much milk, but I thought, after all you've been through, you deserve some. Madison held the cup in his hands as though it were precious china. He'd never had milk before, at least not in memory. Drink it slowly, okay? Tilda instructed quietly, rubbing his shoulder. It's amazing what you've done. Tilda looked up at the woman, wary. Keeping from the enforcers all this time? Tilda didn't respond, not seeing anything amazing about it. Taking a bite of oatmeal, Tilda asked, Do the enforcers know you're here? Not precisely. Zulika scratched above her eye, sighing. They know there are some of us here, but not so many. I expect they think we're just a group of stragglers holed up together. Lost causes, low priority. So they don't know there's a resistance. Tilda found that hard to believe. Not one that could do them any real harm. Pondering that, Tilda glanced over to Madison, who replaced his now empty cup on the tray. She laughed. You've got a bit of a mustache there, mouse. Sheepish, he wiped his mouth with the cuff of his jacket. Did you like it? He nodded enthusiastically, drawing a chortle from Zuleika. We'll get you more later. Madison blushed, munching on an apple slice. Could you? Tilda raised her eyes to meet Zuleika's. Do you any real harm? Zuleika considered her for a moment, then turned her attention to Madison. Yes, she answered slowly. For some reason, even though it was the response Tilda had been hoping for, the tendrils of foreboding itched at the back of her brain. How many of you are there? Not sure. Couple of hundred, I guess. You'd have to ask Mark for the exact number. But Tilda was stuck on the first part. Madison, flabbergasted, stuttered. Hundred? Yes. We've got lots of us crammed in here. Adults mostly. Some children. Children? Madison exclaimed while Tilda asked simultaneously, There are children here? Yes, Zuleika's voice was wistful, almost bittersweet. Not many, but a few. 
Some were rescued by their parents and brought here. Others were born outside of conception centers and came here for protection and our resources. We even had one born here a couple of years ago. The mother was pregnant when she arrived. She wanted to go into hiding. Tilda felt faint for a moment, processing this. Madison gawked at Zuleika. He'd never seen another child before. You can see them later, if you like, Zuleika offered. We have a playroom and a classroom. In her shock, Tilda momentarily forgot how to swallow and almost choked on a bit of carrot. Appetites forgotten, Zuleika rolled away at the table and Madison immediately hopped down. Tilda realized she didn't have her pack. It sat on the floor next to the bed. She wondered if it had fallen off in the night or someone had removed it for her. Seeing her hesitation, Zuleika said, You can leave it here. No one will steal it. Though it went against her instincts, the last time she left her pack, her desperation for supplies had led to their capture. The lingering soreness in her lower back made the decision for her, and she left it sitting next to the bed. Zuleika toured them around the underground complex, explaining its origins as an underground war museum, how the resistance had started as just a few people, some that had defected from the state or conception centers, others just looking for some kind of meaning. Why are you here? Madison asked innocently, eyes wide as he stared at the rows of rooms, some occupied and some not. Tilda chided him for the personal question, but Zuleika dismissed his apology. It's all right. I thought... I thought I could change things. Make them better? Have you? Madison took Tilda's hand, shying away from the passing strangers openly staring at him. I hope so. Again, Tilda could detect something like melancholy in the woman's voice. Are you ready to meet some of the other kids? Excitement and apprehension played on Madison's features, but he nodded emphatically. Tilda could feel his step quicken as Zuleika turned down a corridor that had two large rooms on either side. We call this the children's corner. Uh, that's the classroom. Madison stood on his tiptoes to see inside. And this, she indicated the room on the right, is the playroom. Inside, there was an odd assortment of toys, puzzles, games, and books on the shelves and littered on the floor. The walls had been decorated with blades of grass, dragonflies and flowers, with stars and planets on the ceiling. But the three children playing demanded all of Tilda's attention. Zuleika called out, Hello, children. I want you to meet Madison. She pulled Madison forward. He stumbled, stupefied. Madison, this is Sophia, a girl with black curly locks of hair that looked a few years older than Madison smiled at him timidly, revealing a gap where she'd lost one of her front teeth. Casey, a teenaged looking kid with dark skin nodded. And Phoenix, a redhead that Tilda placed at around three, waved happily at him. Madison is going to play with you for a while, right? Tilda clutched his hand impulsively, afraid to let him go. He looked up at her, asking silently. Forcing a smile on her face, she released her grip by sheer force of will, her fingers curling, aching to retake his hand to keep him from leaving. But she let him go. He approached tentatively, kneeling down next to them. They all stared at each other, and the women stared at them. Sophia broke the silence. Do you want to play a game? Madison nodded, and she pulled him to a shelf where they perused the games, Sophia giving basic rundowns of how each one worked. Tilda watched, transfixed, and didn't shift her attention when Zuleika said, Come on, the leadership of the Resistance wants to talk to you. 
Matilda couldn't move. Madison had never left her sight other than when she slept or for a minute here and there. The thought of leaving him here filled her with dread and panic, her hands itching to reclaim his. Fingers fastened around her bicep and she jumped. He'll be fine here. I promise. Tilda swallowed. Where? Shouldn't they have a supervisor? Casey is old enough to watch over them, Zuleika assured. And Grant's across the hall. He's one of our teachers. Madison, your mother and I will be back in a little while, okay? Madison turned an uncertain gaze to them, but Sophia tucked his arm and regained his attention. Tilda allowed Zuleika to lead her away, embarrassingly close to bursting into tears or taking Madison and bolting. A part of her was missing, a part she needed to breathe. She focused on drawing breath normally as the rooms and halls blurred past. Eventually, they came to a large, dark room with a circular table sitting in the middle. Mark, Taylor, Amelia, Adam, and two other men she didn't recognize sat around it. Zuleika guided her to a chair and took the seat to her right. Silence fell across the table. Tilda didn't notice until someone broke it. This is Tilda Nohan. The others regarded her steadily. Mark leaned forward, eyes unwavering from Tilda. Can you tell us why you're state priority number one? Tilda shrugged and responded hollowly. I didn't know I was. Nor was she entirely sure what that meant, but she was too embarrassed to ask. It doesn't matter why, Taylor asserted with the air of someone continuing an argument that got interrupted. All that matters is that they are. From what I can tell, Adam put forth, it's not her they want, it's the kid. Her, they just as soon kill. Why were they speaking about her like she wasn't here? Package deal. Taylor sat back in her chair, crossing her arms. That kid is not leaving her side willingly. That just got him brainwashed pretty good. Tilda's mouth fell open. Taylor, Amelia censured warningly. What? Directing her attention to Tilda, she accused. How old were you when you had him? Twelve? Tilda stared at her, color draining from her face. Shut up, Taylor. One of the men Tilda didn't know cut in. You're just pissed as hell that she has a kid and you don't. Under the table, Zuleika gave Tilda's fingers a brief squeeze. Back to the matter at hand, please. Mark scratched his scruffy facial hair. If we're going to do this, we need to act quickly. To Tilda, he asked, Do you want to undermine the state's authority? and put power back in the people's hands. Tilda stared at him blankly. Who talks like that? He threw his hands up in frustration. I have to say I was expecting more from a damn priority number one. I thought they wanted you out of the way because they were afraid you'd start a rebellion or something. I'm telling you they want the kid, Adam interrupted, but Mark waved him off. Why did you come here? Tilda floundered before venturing. I heard there was a cure. She sounded so naive, even to her own ears. Mark studied her for a moment, leaning back in his chair. No. Tilda's heart dropped, but his next statement had her jerking her head up to meet his cool gaze. But there is a vaccine. A vaccine. Her lips were numb, her mind racing as she computed what having a vaccine meant. Yes, 
Amelia said. Or there was one. Tilda mouthed, was? And Mark picked back up. A few scientists in Chicago developed one a few months back. Don't know why, but the enforcers destroyed the lab about a week ago. But we have reason to believe that there was a second lab, one the enforcers didn't know about. There was an underlying current in the conversation that Tilda didn't understand. But they will find it soon. They're searching. So we need to leave now if we want to have a chance at getting there first. Tilda glanced surreptitiously around the table, trying to get a read on why Mark would be addressing her. He'd already made clear she was a massive disappointment, why everyone was staring at her. Her confusion must have shown on her face. Mark specified, We want you to come with us. If anything, that baffled her even more. But you said, Think about what a vaccine would do. You could protect Madison, your son, from HSV-5. We could start to have children again. We could rebuild. We could have hope. Don't you want to be part of that? None of this made sense to Tilda. You don't even know me, she pointed out weakly. And you want to take me to help? Mark's eyes shuddered. Yes. Tilda was shaking her head without even realizing it. She subconsciously looked around her for Madison. From beside her, Zuleika said, I'm sure this is a lot. You can think about it. We don't have time, Taylor snapped. If she's too scared to get a vaccine for her son, she's even more worthless than I thought. Smacking her hand against the table, she stood abruptly and left the room. Ignore her, Zuleika intoned, raising her voice to address Mark. We won't be ready to move until at least a day. Merlin and Holly are still out getting vehicles and weapons. She can think about it. Tilda was still trying to grasp what happened. You better make your decision fast. And the kid, Adam reminded Mark in a low voice. We have to take the kid. No, Tilda disagreed vehemently. I'm not taking him near enforcers. Oh, so now you want to play responsible parent, Adam sniped. Riled, Tilda retorted instinctively, You shot two men dead in front of him. We saved him, and you, Adam argued. We protected him when you couldn't. Tilda ground her teeth, simultaneously outraged that he judged her when he hadn't been there during the years of evading capture and agreeing with him. And taking him into a battlefield is the responsible thing? We're going to get him a vaccine, Mark interrupted. The first one. Your son will be the first of a new generation. Rebirth. We could bring the vaccine to him, Tilda argued, failing to comprehend how this idea made any semblance of sense. Why were they looking at her like she was the unintelligent one? Tension swelled in the room. Mark propped his elbows on the table. The enforcers won't kill Madison. They want him alive. Something in her mind shifted and fell into place, a shadow like disgust dawning in the back of her mind. Her mouth fell open and she forced it back shut with a click. Sighing, Mark said. Think about it. He swiveled to face one of the other men in the room. Any updates on that broadcast? No. The man, a redhead, ran a hand through his hair. The signal is strong as hell. 
We've pinpointed the point of origin at ARMS headquarters in D.C., but as far as hacking into it, he excelled heavily. I think remote is out of the question. Don't get me wrong, we're happy to keep at it. Maybe boosting our own signal will help, but as of now, I think it has to be done manually at the main hub. He licked his lips. We'd have to infiltrate ARM and jack the signal that way. Silence fell as everyone digested that, Tilda only half listening, an aching helplessness flourishing within her. Damn, Mark hissed. The redhead stared at his hands, palms flat against the table. I know. We have to get the message out there, Mark exclaimed. The people need to know there's a vaccine. We'll keep trying. We could start looking at training someone for infiltration, Adam suggested. Amelia protested. They'd have to get into ARM headquarters, the most heavily guarded building left. Find out where the system is, how to work it, send out the message, which, by the way, would give them away immediately if they managed to make it that far undetected. Sometimes sacrifices must be made, Mark countered in a clipped voice. No one responded to that, all eyes fixed on the tabletop in front of them, unwilling to speculate on which of them may end up with that task, waiting for someone to volunteer or to be volunteered. Tilda couldn't shake the overbearing sensation of feeling young and naive. Why hadn't she realized it would be like this? Keep working, Mark instructed. In the meantime, we need to focus on getting the vaccine and finding some way of replicating it. Does anyone have anything else? No one made a move to speak, so Mark adjourned the meeting. Tilda practically jumped out of her seat, striding down the hall, only barely keeping herself from running. Instinct leading her to Madison. We all can't help but wonder what awaits us around the next corner. What new roads are left to be discovered? What adventures lie just over the next ridge? Push beyond your current limits and find out. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. Where the road leads you and even where the off-road takes you. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Whether the adventure is about the destination, the journey itself, or both, your SUV will match your tenacity mile after mile. And no matter how far you wander, you'll remain tethered to home without even the need to connect your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Every one of Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to take you where you want to go. The world is waiting to be discovered. What are you waiting for? Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. That brings us to the end of this 11.1 chapter of Terminus. I did want to address a couple of things in this one. Okay, so first of all, yes, there was slut shaming. It was very purposefully done. It's not it's not something that I read back on and was like, oh, I didn't know that was slut shaming. I knew it was slut shaming when I wrote it. And that was when I was thinking about this world and how it would exist and this, especially the religious part of it that I just thought would rise up. I feel like there would be slut shaming of anyone who got pregnant outside of a conception center because it would be seen as like you couldn't control yourself in heavy quotes. So it was purposely done and I just wanted to acknowledge that it's horrible and toxic and gross. And when I was reading it, I was getting really mad. (laughs) And that character, because I know I said in the last edition of this that I choose names very purposefully. I just want to also say that character is not based on Taylor Swift, Um, even though she kind of is described looking like her and her name's Taylor. That is not where that came from. (laughs) Oh, my. Yes, that is not it. But also, it's fascinating to me reading back over this, because this is a thing that sometimes breaks my heart in a lot of media I read or write or see now. And I think it's... I mean that in a way, a good way, like in the in the Nicole Kidman theater way where she's like, this is where heartbreak is okay. <laughs> Some people don't know what I'm talking about. They're like, what oh, is going on? Reference. I love this. <laughs> but I mean that in like a good story way. I don't mean that in a in a bad way. But where you think like you're going to get to this resistance, you're going to get this cure, you're going to like, here's your hope. And it's just not what you thought it was. Um, and that disappointment and that letdown. And not only that in this case, not only is is it not what Tilda thought, she's kind of being villainized by everyone for having a, a kid. But not everyone. Some people are definitely on her side. But it's also, too, kind of the real... It's very sad, looking back at this, of the... Madison never having seen another child before. That was his first time seeing other kids, uh, which all of their names, I was like, oh, I know who I named this after. But yeah, it was cool. It was cool and sad. And this is also where I tried to write romance. And it's clear I did not care about it at all. (laughs) (laughs) So if you were picking up on some strange vibe, that is what it was. I like it. That's even better. Awkward romance. Oh, so awkward. And and I knew exactly who it was. And I would love listeners to write in who you thought it was, because I'm not going to say. Because when I was looking back over it, I was like, there's nothing romantic about this. And this is, in fact, kind of a, like, antagonistic relationship. Is it like a second grade romance? Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, pulling the hair, then run right. away. Yeah. Run away. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, it's not even, like... I remember thinking it was going to be romance, but when I read back over it, I would be shocked if anyone else who read this thought there was going to be a romance. There's like no hints at all. He's just kind of mean to her. <laughs> but anyway, perfect. looking back, I'm now like, yeah, you probably were asexual. 
back then, too. <laughs> I just didn't realize. <laughs> Did not care about any of that. But yes, I hope that you enjoyed this chapter, even though it probably really frustrated you and made you angry. It did me, too. Um, and we'll be back with part two uh, next month. But in the meantime, if you have any thoughts, any theories, any guesses, or any suggestions for other fiction things we could do that are in the public domain, that'd be really cool. You can email us at stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter, I guess, uh, at Mom Stuff Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I Never Told You. We have a tea Public store with some merchandise. Uh, and we have a book that you can pre-order at StuffYouShouldReadBooks.com, uh, both as a physical book and an audiobook. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina, who makes this happen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Also, thank you. Yes, and thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes in a Nissan Pathfinder, search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today.